I saw him on the river tour, the, the 2016 river tour in Rome at Circus Maximus among all the runes in Rome. And I'm standing in the pit, like I'm at, the, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of the Roman, you know, the forum in Rome playing, and he opens up with, you know, uh, New York city serenade, which was the first time he did that before he did that for the rest of the tour and just hearing the strings and, you know, the passion of the Italian fans, the rest of the show was great. But it was just that atmosphere that was just, just put it over the top. And it was the same. And I highly recommend seeing him in San Siro in Milan. The crowd there is just nuts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Uh, joining me an early morning for him uh, is John Giacomo. John, welcome to the show. Jesse, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Well, I am so excited to visit with you. Uh, I know you, uh, you live in San Francisco. Uh, you work a little bit in the sports business. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, that's correct. I live in San Francisco. Uh, I work for NBC Sports Bay Area. I'm the executive producer. Uh, we're basically the local sports channel here that have all the Bay Area teams. Um, been out here in San Francisco since 2009 and uh, originally grew up in, in Harrison, New York, which is a uh, small town in the suburbs about 25 minutes north of New York City. Um, and, uh, you know, been out here, like I said, since 2009. So uh, love California, miss New York, but uh, California is definitely better. <laughs> uh, San Francisco is just an amazing city, uh, yeah. you know, filled with so many. Um, the first time we went years ago, like in the 90s, my wife said, oh, it's a clean New Orleans. There you <laughs> go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it has that atmosphere and it has that feeling. So well, very nice. Um, well, let's I always like to start at the beginning. So talk about growing up there in the New York area. What kind of music did your family listen to? What kind of music did you listen to as a kid? Um, so there was always music in our house. Um, my mom always had the radio on in the kitchen and uh, she listened to WNEWAM, which was a big band station. So there was a lot of Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett. Um, there was uh, the show that was on in the afternoon was called the Make Believe Ballroom. So somewhat like Bruce's mom in the, you know, having the radio on in the kitchen in the morning, uh, the radio was always on in our house. Um, so there was always music. Um, you know, my sisters, I'm, I'm, I'm the youngest of four. Uh, so my sisters were listening to Elton John and Carly Simon and James Taylor, um, you know, the singer-songwriters in the early 70s. Uh, as far as music taste for myself, uh, I was listening to a lot of Led Zeppelin and Jethro Tull. And uh, Southern Rock was also big at that time with Leonard Skinner and 
the Outlaws and Charlie Daniels band. So um, pretty much a wide mix of music, also top 40 at that time as well. Um, it was a lot of a lot of heavy metal, a lot of Black Sabbath as well, as a lot of Ted Nugent. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So it was it was a wide mix of music, but music was always uh, a part of my life growing up. Did um, did you embrace the music of your mom and your parents? Did you enjoy that, or did you go through a spell where you rebelled, or you just kind of was able to do you know juggle both loves? I'm not sure if I rebelled against it. Uh, you know, some of the music that they listened to wasn't my, you know, my my kind of music. There was there was some Mitch Miller sing along type of music. Um, you know, I came to uh, to appreciate Sinatra a lot later in life. You know, when as I got older, um, yeah. and actually got a chance to see him um, years and years ago. Um, so always always appreciated that, and always appreciated that kind of music. Yeah. Um, and appreciate it today. I mean, when you see somebody like Tony Bennett playing with Lady Gaga at this point, it's amazing. You know, he was still singing it, but it's 95 years old. It's crazy. Gives us hope for Bruce. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, 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 I see there, um, you know, an 80, 85 year old Bruce doing an hour and a half show, which would be feel like, you know, like a walk in the park for him yep, compared to what yep. they did. We did. Yeah. Uh, so, John, when did you discover Bruce? And and if you can tell us what about his music spoke to you? I would say I discovered Bruce first on the radio um, after Born to Run came out. So, you know, in, the, in 1975. Um, actually had Born to Run on an A-track. Um, I don't know if you remember way back when, when Columbia House used to have like, you know, get eight, eight tracks for like three cents or whatever it was. Um, so Born to Run was one of the first A-tracks that I ever had. Um, so I would say around 75, uh, WNEW-FM in New York City um, was a huge Springsteen radio station. Um, with all the folks around there, like Dave Herman and Scott Muni and Carol Miller at night, um, always playing a lot of Bruce. So that's that's how I was introduced to Bruce, I would say. Um, I think the thing that really made me a huge fan was the same station, WNEW-FM in 1978, um, broadcast the Agora show from Cleveland. And uh, I actually recorded that on an 8-track. Um, and then changed that over to a cassette and basically wore it out. Um, and that was really when I was like, wow, this is, this is something cool. This is something special. Um, because again, at that point I, I hadn't seen him yet. Um, so it was just through the magic of that show, um, that I really became a Bruce fan. And obviously darkness came out at that point as well. And that was also on an eight track. Um, so I would say, like I said, through the radio in 75 and then through that, that concert at the Agora through the radio as well um, is, is when I was really introduced to Bruce. About how old are you at this time? Uh, in 1978, I am uh, 16 years old. Okay. Very nice. Um, did, when you discovered this, by the way, you know, I graduated high school in 77 so I was an eight-track kid, very much so as well. Uh, did um, did you go and look for back catalog? Uh, were you, 
you know, uh, I remember when I first discovered the Beach Boys in 77, like every time I went into a record store, I went straight to the Bees and was flipping through Beach Boy albums or in this case, eight tracks going, do, do I have this one yet? Oh, I don't. Okay, let me pick it up. Um, I did do that. I, I did that actually um, when the uh, when the river came out, which was the fall of 1980 is when I went away to college. Um, and that's really when I went into the back catalog and went and looked for greetings and went and looked for the wildly innocent. Um, Darkness was really the first Bruce album that I bought on vinyl um, and then the river and then born to run. Cause again, I had it on eight track and then the wild and the innocent and then greetings after that. So um, I was lucky enough when I got to college, I met a, a bunch of folks that were Bruce fans. And uh, there was one guy whose nickname was buzzy um, who actually had a number of bootleg shows. Um, so I had a number of bootlegs before I had some of the actual, you know, um, official releases. Which, which was, I mean, just to show, just listening to the shows was just amazing at that point because it was something that was so new um, because he hadn't put out a live album at that point. And I, again, like I said, I hadn't seen him. So just listening to the shows along with the, the you know, the, uh, the albums themselves was just what really turned me into a fan. So I'm going to go into young people don't know how good they have it now mode. So I apologize in advance, but I can imagine 18, 19 year old John, the thought of having an official release every month of a live show in good quality sound, you, you could not have matched it, right? Like this never, would have been, yeah. Never, never. And I mean, he was so protective of everything he did. Um, and, he, you know, and, and listen, he wanted to put out the best stuff that he, that he had. And I totally understand that. But What's going on recently with all of the releases? I mean, it's just amazing um, to get these shows in high quality. Like I said, I mean, the Agora show, I started out on an A-track and then, you know, transferred that to cassette where you still heard, you know, when you when you went from, you know, track one to track two on, a, on an A-track and you heard that little change, I mean, that was on the cassette. Sure, um, absolutely. You know, but now it's, you know, in pristine uh, listening condition and it's just, it's just amazing. What cracks me up is back then and you know there were certain eight tracks you bought that were commercial eight tracks these were not homemade where between there were four tracks and between like track two and track three you would hear half a song and then the second yep. half of the song would be on the yeah. next track. So the video yeah. would be like, you're like, how did we put up with that? Why, <laughs> what, why, who, yeah. who person is sound engineer thought, oh, this is a good idea. We can't, you know, let's Absolutely. figure out a way to do this. That's hilarious. Absolutely. You are correct. Yeah. Where'd you go to school? I went to school at SUNY Geneseo. It was a state school. Geneseo was uh, in upstate New York between Rochester and Buffalo. Okay. Um, which obviously was a, was a pretty big Springsteen uh area um so school was i was you know i was on the radio stations in school i was on the tv stations in school so when i was when i was djing you know there was a lot of bruce being played um during those shows so it was it was it was great that was the first kind of bruce community that i found um you know growing up in high school you know some of my friends liked bruce but it wasn't you know it was more like i said more of the heavy metal more of the southern rock uh, type music 
were you majoring in whatever version of radio and TV that that university had okay yeah, yeah, but i was majoring in communications and public relations so it was all like i said working at the two radio stations working at the tv station um you know and playing a lot of music when i could uh during those shows why did you pick that major um so i've always wanted to be uh, in the television business uh when i was uh growing up and people were playing you know peewee football and midget football i wasn't playing i was actually announcing the games um for our local town so i mean marv albert when i grew up was on the local nbc station doing sports at six o'clock every night um and i grew up a rangers and knicks and giants and yankees fans so listening and marv albert was the voice of the rangers um and the knicks back then uh so i was always interested in sports uh always wanted to get into that business somehow um and with television i started out in radio and then moved into tv so something I've always wanted to do. So I've been lucky to, to be able to do that for, for my career. When um, you, you said you started out on radio, were you um, doing a sportscast? Uh, did talk radio? What, what, what all did you do for the radio stations? So uh, in college radio, you basically get a chance to do everything, which was sure. great. So uh, I was, uh, I was a newscaster. I was a sportscaster. Then I got my own uh, music show. Um, and then I moved up in my senior year. I was actually program director of the FM station um, at college. Uh, and again, Bruce was always part of those yeah, shows. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, whether people wanted to hear it or not. So, uh, you know, um, it was a great opportunity actually to, you know, to discover other artists and discover new music. Because um, at college radio, you were always getting, you know, free free music to play and, and you're getting bands that maybe you had never heard of. Um, and it just opened the door to other types of music that I hadn't heard before. When you graduated, uh, what, what was your first gig? Um, so when I graduated from college, I was working a uh, six in the morning until 11 in the morning, Sunday morning show at a local station in the town next to uh, the town where I went to college. It was in Danville, New York, very small, small station. I mean, you basically walked in, you turned on the lights yourself, you turned on all the equipment yourself. Um, and in Sunday mornings, there was obviously some religious programs before I got to play music. Um, I was doing that uh, once a week. And then I was also working part-time at a, at a uh, what used to be called an oldie station in, uh, in Geneva, New York. So. Uh, radio was the first gig. I was in radio for probably 10 years um, and bounced around, worked in upstate New York, um, worked closer to home. Then I worked in Cape Cod in Boston um, in Massachusetts and then moved into television um, after that. Okay. Very nice. What was the first gig on TV? First gig on TV was as a uh, reporter for a station in Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, so covering news for them while I was still uh, on the radio as a news director, one of the stations in, in uh, Nashua, New Hampshire. Uh, so that was the first television gig. And how did you move? And I promise, guys, we're going to get back to Bruce, but I'm always fascinated by this. Um, when did you move over to full time sports? Um, so I, uh, after I was in Nashville, New Hampshire, I moved to Utica, New York to work for the ABC station there. And I was the uh, six and 11 anchor. 
and that was all just straight news. Um, and I got the opportunity to move to Washington, D.C. Uh, to work on Capitol Hill and cover politics, hey. uh, which I did during the, uh, the Clinton administration and all through the, uh, the impeachment hearings and Monica Lewinsky and covering that every day. And that's when I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do something that's fun. Uh, so. I, I would, I would think that was. We're we're watching the uh, impeachment, the FX series, you know, American Crime, and yeah, uh, yeah. you're like, wow, gosh, this is just, this is just. There are no good people on any side of this, you know. Right. And I realize it's a fictional story, but you're like, there's, there's no hero I'm pulling for. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I was chasing senators and congressmen down the halls of Congress, you know, asking them about, you know, Monica Lewinsky yeah. and all this. I mean, it just, it was out of control. So I just looked at it and was like, this isn't fun. This isn't what I want to do for the, sure. for the rest of my life. And at the time, I was also doing a sports show um, in Washington, D.C. I was a reporter for them. So I just I just explored the sports side of it and 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 been doing that. Oh, my God, I've been doing that for the last 20 years yeah. or so. At this point. Do you do you miss covering New York uh, teams or with San Francisco, the beauty of that city and the idea that there are, you know, I, I imagine there's a passionate fan base there in, in San Francisco as well that you that scratches that itch. Uh, I mean, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I would love to be able to cover, you know, the New York Giants and the Rangers and the, and the, and the Yankees. Um, but, you know. San Francisco, we we are really busy out here with the you know the Warriors and the A's and the Giants and the 49ers and and the Sharks and the Sacramento Kings. So there are a lot of teams to cover here. We're probably the busiest regional network in the country. So um, you know you're pulling you're pulling for those teams because you know uh, you work with them. But you know I'm still a fan of the New York teams, and um, I think living in San Francisco as opposed to living in New York. Uh, you know, tilts the scales to San Francisco. Yeah. Do you um, do you focus mostly on the San Francisco teams, or do you cover a few of the other California teams as well? No, it's mostly San Francisco. Uh, it's, yeah. it's definitely the Bay Area. I mean, we do a little Stanford and Cal as well, uh, the yeah. college teams, but not as much as we did in the past. Um, like I said, I mean. They have teams in every single league, so we're always yeah. It busy. keeps you busy, absolutely. Very absolutely. nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, very cool. So I always like to preface this, John, when um, the amount of times you've seen Bruce perform live is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. Depending on your age, your economic situation, where you live drives your thing. So. Talk to me about the first show you went to, and do you count how many times have you seen him perform live? Um, so the first show that I saw was on uh, November 28, 1980 at Madison Square Garden in New York. It was on the River Tour. Uh, my then girlfriend and I did not have tickets. Um, we scalped outside of Madison Square Garden. Okay. I think the ticket... I think the face value of the ticket was $9 um, and we paid 75 bucks for the two tickets. And they were in what we used to be called the blue seats in Madison Square Garden of the highest up you can be. They were behind the stage in the corner. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't have been more excited. It was, <laughs> it was like, I'm in the building. That's all that matters at this that's point. 
um, because you know the, the demand at that point, and again, this is dating us. You had to mail in requests for tickets um, at that point, and it was just the post office was overwhelmed, and you know it was just crazy. Um, so just to get into the building was amazing, and and you know he opened up with Prove It All Night, and by Tenth Avenue Freeze Out, he was up on the piano, and it was just just amazing to see. Um, so that was the first show. Um, since then, um, I've seen 223 shows, um, which sounds crazy, um, but it's something that has given me the opportunity to travel all over this country. It's given me the opportunity to travel all over the world and just see things and see cities and see places that I never would have went to. Um, so I think not only seeing the shows, but just the experiences and meeting people um, from all over the world has really, you know, been a big part of my life. So um, that's really been the fun part of it. It, it, it really got crazy during the reunion uh, tour. I saw mm-hmm. 58 shows, I think it was, on the reunion tour. Wow. Um, along with the, you know, the holiday shows that year. So that's when the traveling really took off. Um, and like I said, I've been doing it ever since. And, and the big, again, the biggest part, I, I know a lot of Bruce fans that travel a lot and then they just go to see the show and they don't experience the city or the food or the culture. You know, they're just worried about them going to the show. You know, I want to yeah. get online and all that, kind, which is great, you know, whatever you want to do. But I enjoy traveling and, and food and, you know, and, and, and checking out cult, different cultures and stuff. So that's been the that's been the biggest and, and, and the most fun, biggest thing and the most fun of, of all the traveling. So, John, uh, do you I'm, I'm going to talk about shows, but once again, you've tweaked my other interests. What are what are cities where you go? Yes, he's going there. That means I get to go do this. Um, Nashville's a great city here in the U.S., obviously, New Orleans, which he hasn't played in a long time, except for the Jazz Fest. Yeah. Is, always, is always a fun city to go to. Um, I mean, obviously, he's going to play Philadelphia, um, and the shows are always strong in Philadelphia. Um, you know, in the, in the United States, you know, obviously living here in California, he's going to play L.A. Um, so, but I would, I would say Nashville is always a fun town. I mean, I've seen him in Dallas. We always have a good time in Dallas, love barbecue. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I'd like to see him play in New Orleans a little bit more than he does just with the Jazz Fest, because that's a tremendous city probably my my favorite city in 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 the in the uh in the country and and you know i was lucky enough during a river tour to see him in europe and a number of cities and and you know barcelona and milan are just you know the bruce fan base is there and the cities themselves are 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 amazing and saw him in rome as well so um always excited when he's playing anywhere yeah if he was playing if he's playing out in the street somewhere really wouldn't matter so those, exactly. are, those are really the top cities yeah um i i tell this story to kind of make fun of myself but um james taylor and jackson brown were playing here in fort worth and there were no tickets except on the scalping market and um so I started looking and New Orleans had tickets on a Saturday night and they had not sold out. So I, you know, I went to my wife and I said, well, this maybe seemed dumb, but instead of paying scalper tickets, do you want to go buy regular price tickets and we'll go to New Orleans and make a long weekend out of it? 
Sure. She's like, yeah. So yeah. So because I didn't want to pay 300 bucks a ticket, I ended up spending a couple of grand. Right. <laughs> but, but we got to, you know, we, we flew in and, you know, we got to spend a weekend in New Orleans and, and, you know, we ate a lot of good food and got to see, you know, uh, you know, some of the sites and, it, you know, New Orleans is one of our favorite cities. So it was really good to be back there. And, uh, it ended up being a cold front. So usually New Orleans is hot and sticky. And in this case, it wasn't. So it was really nice. So yeah, I would, uh, I'm always tempted when I see him at Jazz Fest, a couple of times he's played like, oh man, you could squeeze in. It would be nice for him to play at that arena. And yep. then you could kind of see a show. That would be great. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Jazz, I've been, I've been lucky enough to go to Jazz Fest and see him there twice. Yeah. Um, you know, and just the whole experience of being there and just how important music is to that city. Yeah. Um, and just seeing how people embrace him because, I mean, obviously Jazz Fest has changed so much over the years where it's, you know, more of a, you know, there's, there's a lot of bigger, more headliners that are more rock yeah. and roll. Um, but just to see the way that the city embraces him. And, he, and you could de definitely tell he genuinely enjoys playing there. Yeah. Yeah. That first show after Katrina, um, you know, I know they've released most of it on YouTube, mm -hmm. but I, I wish they would actually, and I realize it's a short set because it's a festival, but yeah. I would love for that to be on uh, a Blu-ray or DVD, you know, or yeah. even, you know, on demand. Because I would love to see it all in one piece versus as I'm trying to do YouTube going, pick with this song, pick this song, this song. Um, it, it seems that, um, and I've talked to a couple of people that attended those shows and they said they were very emotional yeah. and that the city kind of appreciated the fact that someone of his magnitude there singing the way he sang and what he did it it does seem like a beautiful experience absolutely absolutely yeah. yeah well hopefully that'll come out soon right yeah that would be nice tell me um how about some other uh, by the way i was at nashville um during the high hopes tour and yep. uh, I agree. It was a great show. I love Nashville. Yep. Um, it's, it's a fun city to go to regardless, just because there's Absolutely. music everywhere. Yep. Uh, you know, so you can go into any. We were, um, my brother-in-law was able to get us Bluebird Cafe tickets. Nice. You know, and yeah, that was really nice. They had uh, four musicians that were in the round. And uh, I was just amazed that just the amount of music we got to see and hear. Um what are what are other favorite you know what are other shows or memories with stories you want to share um i would say my favorite show of all time and it's hard to pick one sure the funny thing is there's there are great shows and then there are great experiences um and then there are shows where you heard this one song and you're like oh my god i can't believe i'm yeah. hearing this song and the rest of the show could be a great show but not as good as some other shows but I, I would, if I had to pick one, um, on the Born in the USA tour, he played in Buffalo, New York, um, at the, at the old Buffalo Odd. It was in September. He played two nights. Um, I tried to go to the first night. I didn't have tickets. I couldn't get in. And I was standing outside with my then girlfriend and he started playing Born in the USA, which you could hear outside. And I was so upset that we couldn't get into the show, um, because 
ticket prices were so high at that point and demand was so high. Um, you know, we drove back and drove back to Geneseo, which was about an hour drive just in silence. Um, and I was determined to go the next night and get in, which we did, luckily. Um, and that show, I mean, I, he was still doing an intermission at that point. So with the intermission, it was like four hours and 15 minutes. And there was no air conditioning in the Buffalo Odd. It was so, it was sweltering. Oh, um, no. And it was just an amazing performance. And I had some friends from college that, that you know, had never seen him before. And I kept saying, you got to come to the show. And they, had, they weren't sitting with us, but they saw the show and they've been fans ever since. But at the end of the show, you know, he plays the Detroit medley and twist and shout and he's drenched. And uh, he goes, you know, it's a little early for this one. And the meteorological atmosphere isn't quite right. But we're going to play it anyway. And he started playing Santa Claus, which was the first time I heard that song. The place just went crazy. Um and just the energy in the building, I mean, Buffalo's, you know, one of the cities that, you know, at that point is, you know, especially, you know, unemployment was high. It was, you know, it was a tough time for a lot of folks. And I think they really appreciated the effort that he put out. Um, so that was a great show. Um, you know, what was a great show and a great experience is on the rising tour at the, uh, at the link in Philadelphia. He played three nights in August. Uh, and it was August 11th and a buddy who I had met in the parking lot of the Meadowlands during the, uh, the reunion tour, we were in the lottery for the GA and we're looking at each other. We've been standing there for a couple of hours and he looks at me and he goes, if we don't get in the pit, we'll just go get cheesesteaks. And I was like, okay, sounds like a plan. And they pulled the number and we were the second and third number, uh, to walk into the stadium so we were standing in front of Bruce and Stevie the whole night. And that's the night he started with from small things and played incident, played pretty, uh, pretty flamingo for the first time in 20 something years. It was, it was an amazing, amazing, it was howling at the moon during uh, Ramrod. Um, so that was an amazing experience along with an amazing show. Um, I, I was lucky enough to see the birthday show on the Philly spectrum um, you know, when he came out with the boom box and he played the, uh, the recording of, the, of the phone message and started with growing up, which is one of my favorite songs. Um, so that was a, that was a tremendous experience, but there's other, you know, there are experiences like the first time I saw a show in Barcelona and I highly recommend if anyone has never seen Bruce in Spain or Italy, it's a whole nother type of experience. And we were, we were in the pit in Barcelona and you're basically getting moved around by the crowd without even moving. Like, it's just, it's a little scary, but they're so passionate and so into it. Um, and it was so hot <laughs> and it was the first night of the tour. So, you know, didn't know what to expect. So that was, that was more of an experience than just the set list itself. You know, and I think, I think that the ultimate experience uh, I was lucky enough to go to Australia for a bunch of shows on the wrecking ball. Oh, tour. how good for you. Um, and yeah, I flew halfway across the world. I hate to fly by the way. I travel a lot and I hate to fly. Um, and I, I went to Australia. I knew one other guy that was going and um, I met a bunch of people down there still friends with, um, you know, spent three weeks in Australia traveling around the country and seeing shows in the, the last night in Melbourne in March of, I think it was 2013, 
the night before, stayed up all night because we had GA tickets to do the GA check-in, um, you know, was up all night and standing in line all day and got right up front, right in the middle. And then, you know, during Brian Arani comes down and he puts the guitar out and we were playing the guitar, which yeah. is just <laughs> sure. it's amazing. You know, it was like whatever else was going on at that point. It was just like the guitar's in front of you and you're and he's standing there with the guitar in front of you. It's like, oh my God, I'm playing the guitar. Not myself. I mean, everybody else was yeah, you know, sure. playing it as well. So, you know, and that set list was great, but you know, it was the greatest set list show that I've ever seen. No, but the experience was unbelievable. You yeah. know, so it's it's funny when, like I said, when you look at shows, it's like, what was the experience? You know, what was the set list? And people are always looking at set lists like, oh, this wasn't a strong show or that wasn't a strong show. And yeah, there's songs that you'd rather hear him play and not play. But I look at it as, you know, it's the whole experience. Who are you with? You know, how was, how was the city? Um, what yeah. else did you see? I mean, a perfect example of that is I saw him on the River Tour, the, the 2016 River Tour in Rome at Circus Maximus. Yeah. Um, among all the runes in Rome and I'm standing in the pit, like I'm at, the, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of the Roman, you know, the forum in Rome and yeah. he's playing and he opens up with, you know, uh, New York city serenade, which was the first time he did that before he did that for the rest of the tour. Right. Um, and just hearing the strings and, you know, the passion of the Italian fans, the rest of the show is great. But it was just that atmosphere that was just, just put it over the top. And it was the same in, you know, I highly recommend seeing him in San Siro in Milan. The crowd there is just nuts. Yeah. And I'm, I'm Italian. I'm hundred percent Italian. And I, you know, so I, I relate to them, but just, you know, singing every, every single song, every single word, singing parts of the music, you know, it's just an, an amazing experience. Yeah. Uh, so John, I'll kind of put your it's not fair to compare things but I'm going to ask you to anyway you obviously love sports is there been live sporting events that have been close to giving you the joy of going to a Bruce show that's a great question uh the only one that I could say is uh, in 1994 when the New York Rangers were on their Stanley Cup march. Yeah. Um, I was lucky enough to be at game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals against the New Jersey Devils. Yeah. And the Rangers were winning that game one nothing the whole game. And with like eight seconds left, I think it was eight seconds, might have been even less than that. The Devils scored the tie, and the whole garden at that point was yelling, we want the cup, we want the cup, because the Rangers hadn't won 54 years at that point. Wow. Um, and it was the curse that was going on. Sure. And, 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 you know, one minute you're like, oh, my God, we're going to the Stanley Cup Finals, and the next minute, you know, it's tied, and the whole yeah. the place just went dead silent, you know, just shock. And then the game went into double overtime, and it's a famous call in hockey, Matteau, 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 because Stefan Matteau scored the game-winning goal for the Rangers. Um, and the place just exploded, you know, and you're hugging people you don't even know, and people are going crazy. I mean, that's, that's the greatest sporting event I've ever been to, and I've been to World Series and Super Bowls and championships. Um, and that was amazing, but just the, there's nothing that beats the lights going off the show's about to start. Even if you know what he's going to play, 
just that rush. Sure. It's, it's that's, that's tough to beat. Um, you know, and then at the end of the night, you're just like drenched and, and, you know, it's just, there's so many highs and lows of that show. It's same. It's the same thing as a sporting event. Um, Absolutely. but there's just that, you know, just seeing the band and, 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 and that, that euphoria of the music and the camaraderie of, of, of the fans and stuff. It's, it's, it's just a different high, um, you know, and sports, listen, a lot of people are huge sports fans and they get that high going to games. Um, but you know, I get, I get it more going to Bruce concerts. Absolutely. Um, how, um, over the past couple of years with the pandemic, um, how's it been covering sports? I mean, we're, what, what did you guys do when everything was shut down and, uh, you know, what, and, and how nervous were you when things started opening up and like, you know, the NBA was in the bubble, you know, there's no one in the stands. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. It was uh, obviously different. We're all living in a different world now. Absolutely. Um, it, and it, it uh, you know, it made us rethink the way that you cover sports. I mean, the the old way, quote unquote, old way is, you know, you you had a live truck at the facility and you had a crew in the live truck um, and they were covering the game. You had people inside the arena. Um, you couldn't do any of that. Um, so you had to rethink things where the folks that were in our live trucks would be back in our office. Um, and you're trying to socially distance people that are in a control room that is not very big, but there's four or five to six people in a control room. So it made us rethink the way that you would cover sports. Um, you know, obviously your crew would always travel to the games, um, which was not being done anymore. It's still not being done in a lot of, in a lot of cases. I mean, things have returned, um, but not a hundred percent returned in, in the way the TV is covering sports. Um, so it just made you rethink of everything. It was completely weird to go to a stadium with no one in the stadium um, when the games were going on and then to see it come back, you know, bit by bit. Um, but then it was also strange to be in a, in a full stadium and, and just, you know, have that little bit of anxiety, even though you're vaccinated and you hope everybody else is and just being like, is this safe? You know, because to be honest, you know, do we really know? Yeah, um, sure. So it's definitely changed the way that that television is covering sports. And I think some for the better, some for the worse. But, you know, we'll see what happens as, as we move forward and hopefully get out of this pandemic eventually. Um, but it definitely made us rethink how you could cover sports, because with no fans in the stands, it, it's amazing how that takes away from the game. You know, we talk, we actually talked to a bunch of Bruce friends actually friends you know was like is there will there ever be you know a ga pit anymore whether you know because if you look at the band i mean they're they're all up there in age you know and you know you don't want to you know god forbid you know there's a show and they got sick and that kind of thing so we 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 all were talking about that like you know what do you what would a concert look like you know if they came back is there going to be a ga pit is there going to be yeah we have to show you know that you're vaccinated and all that kind of stuff so we'll you know, I think, you know, they're Bruce and his, and his, and his folks are being cautious and I think I they agree. should be. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's not really worth going out if people are going to get sick. So I agree. Again, John. Hopefully, you know, we're moving in the right direction and, you know, we'll see them on the road in, in, in 2022. It would have been nice to see them, you know, this year or last year, yeah. whenever they, 
thought about going out, but I, you know, I think they're doing, they're doing the right thing. Did you go to either run a Broadway? Uh, so I saw him on Broadway. Uh, it was funny. And, and they do this all the time. It's like, Hey, we're going to set you. Know, we're only going to be there for, you know, six weeks. Get your tickets now. So, yeah. uh, you know, got tickets for the first uh, couple of weeks when October in the first run um, saw him two other times the following year, and then just went back to New York in August and saw it two nights in a row, which was a very strange experience being in a theater fully masked, um, you know, with people, and again, thank God they were doing that, going around and making sure people had masks on and, you know, and showing your Vax card. Um, you know, it was still emotional. It was still a great show, um, you know, and it, it was nice to see him change a few things up, but uh, it was just a, just try, that was the first time I've traveled since the pandemic. So it was the whole, you know, being on a plane, going to New York City, yeah. all the folks there and, and being in a theater with a mask on. Um, was a strange thing, but the flip side of that is I saw a number of people I hadn't seen in years, um, which was always great. Yeah. Do, um, let's talk a few minutes about Letter to You and Western Stars. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Um, Western Stars, when it first came out, I knew this was something that he had been talking about. You know, I've got this Grand Canyon music and um, you know, this Western themed uh, music. So I wasn't surprised when it came out. Um, and I look at it this way is like, he's earned the right to do whatever the hell he wants at this point. Well said. Um, and God, and God bless him for doing it. There are, there's something I would, I, I, if I had my choice, it would always be the E street band. I mean, I've seen him, you know, on all of his solo tours. Um, I've seen him, whatever he's put out, I've, you know, with the Seeger sessions band, um, I, and I think most fans would agree with that, but if this is what he wants to do and, and he makes him happy and it, and it, and it keeps the creative juices flowing, God bless him, you know, and there, and just like anything else, there's songs on that, on Western stars that I think are really good. You know, Tucson train, I think is really good. Um, Western stars is really good. And there's a, there's a bunch of them. Um, letter to you is just, you know, that's that's the E Street Band, you know. That's that's the sound of the E Street Band, which they hadn't done like that type of music or that sound um, in a number of albums. So it was great to see them do that. It was also great just to watch the film and see them collaborate like they used to, um, and just really do it off the cuff. I think Ghost is a tremendous song. Um, I'm predicting that as the as the tour opener, um, yeah. whenever that happens, God willing, um, you know. Uh, the rest of that album is really, really strong. Um, and it's amazing that that's, that was a year ago already. Yeah. You know, um, but definitely, definitely, you know, if you look at some stuff that he had put out and, you know, I, I, I think, you know, working on a dream was, 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 was a little bit of a weaker album. High hopes was a little bit of a weaker album. So it was nice to see both of those, you know, a few years later, they were pretty strong. Yeah. The emotional, being at the end of this year of where everything has just gone to heck in a handbasket <laughs> to be able to get a new Bruce album that just yep. was what, what there's a new album. And, you know, yep. to hear that, um, I think as you talked about John a little bit, there's the set list and there's the experience mm -hmm. and the, 
the context of letter to you puts it in my, you know, whether you call it top five or top 10 experience, the joy of getting a new album with the context of when we're doing it versus if I was a clinical person, maybe I wouldn't rank it as high compared to, you know, darkness or born to run or the rising or other things. But in context, you're just like, God, this is such what a treat. You know, right, tree. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's a perfect way to describe it. It's, it was, it was a treat. Um, and like I said, seeing the film and just seeing them, you know, collaborating after all this time um, and seeing that they genuinely like each other, um, which is not always the case in bands, especially if you've been together for so long. Um, so I think the word tree is you, you hit it right on the head, you know, and, it, and, and to have that come out and to have, you know, a number of songs on there that are really strong, um, you know, and again, can't wait to hear some of those things live. Um, and again, God willing, that'll hopefully that'll happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, John, is there, um, yeah, and just a comment, not necessarily a question, but sure. there, one of the things that you cover, I'm sure you, your team as you're covering is what is team chemistry and how important is it, right? Like you, yep. there can be teams that are so talented that can't stand each other, but they're able to put aside their differences and play well, yep. right? Uh, then there's other people that <clears throat> because of their chemistry and their teamwork, they rise themselves above. Um, it was neat uh, to see the E Street band all sitting there with their pencils and legal pads yep. as he's doing this and and yep. to see little Steven, well, why don't we try this? What do we do that? And you go, gosh, there's Silvio talking yep. to Tony. I mean, there there because he's <laughs> yep. always said, right? Like he based his relationship playing in the Sopranos on what he did with Bruce. Yep. Uh, so it was very cool to see that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And 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 I, I've been lucky enough to meet just about everybody in the band, uh, you know, over the years, and they couldn't have been nicer, couldn't have been friendlier, um, you know, and, and the funny thing is like, you know, Steve Van Zandt is just what you see is what you get, you know, that's, right. that's, he's, that's what he's, that's not an act. <laughs> right. That's, that's who he is, you know, and Max couldn't have been nicer and Niels and, and, and Roy and Gary. And so, and it's, it's, listen, I, I work in sports and I've, I've worked with athletes for years and years and years and, you know, fans worship athletes. And then you see them, you know, outside of the spotlight and some of them are jerks, you know? Um, and, and, and it kind of, you kind of get disappointed. Like, you know, it, I think, so it's always the quote of, you know, you're afraid to meet your heroes because you're afraid if they're going to let you down. Um, and, and I've seen it where people are like, oh, my God, this guy is great. And, I can, you know, I wish I could meet him. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, this guy's <laughs> sure. But, you know, I would never say that to somebody. It's like right. let them think what, what they want. But, you know, behind the scenes, you see, you know, this guy's not as nice as you think or, or whatever. And, you know, like I said, I, lucky enough to meet them. And that was never the case. Um, you know, I got a chance to meet Bruce a couple of times and, and you know, have been nicer and you know it was just amazing um you know but 
And it's, and it's always nice to see that where it's like, you know, you spent your life following this band and they're not, they're not, they're not jerks. <laughs> that is nice to hear. Um, any specific stories about meeting any of them? You know, any funny incidents or anything that's worth sharing? So uh, the Bruce stories are, are pretty funny and it's, it, it was kind of uh, like, this is never going to happen kind of thing. So uh, the first time it wasn't really meeting him. We were, we were kind of stalking uh, outside of the landmark theater in Syracuse on the, uh, the ghost of Tom Joe tour. Uh, so it was um, uh, November of 96. So it was cold out. So we're waiting for him to come out of the car um, and there wasn't a lot of people behind the theater because, again, it was, you know, November in Syracuse, New York. It was cold. It was snow on the ground. Um, and, you know, he came out, <clears throat> he shook his hand, you know, and, of course, you're trying to think of what you're going to say the whole time. And, you know, when he came up to me, I was just like, and I had seen him the night before um, in Buffalo. And I was like, hey, great show in Buffalo last night. He just looked at me like. Thanks. You know, yeah, I really appreciate it. But I was just like, and then he, you know, moved on. I was like, that was the stupidest thing you could have said because he's only heard it a thousand million times. Right. Um, and then the second time was on the reunion tour. We were in Austin, Texas, and uh, he played at the Frank Irwin Center. And so we, the, the show was over and we happened to be towards the side of where they were in the back of the arena. Um, and we saw a bunch of people <clears throat> standing around there. We're like, you know, what's going on? So we walked back down there. <clears throat> Excuse me. There was probably 10 or 15 people all together. Um, and we're all just standing around. This white van is slowly coming by us. And the van stops and the side door rolls back. And he's standing there. He's like, come on. Um, and I had a 35 millimeter film camera at that point. I was with my then girlfriend and uh, uh, our friends of ours, another couple. And one by one, you know, people were going to go come up. They're going to get an autograph, get a picture, what, you know, whatever. And um, I saw, I think the, the Austin paper at that time was the Statesman, I think. Yes, that's um, correct. Correct. So I, there was one like on the ground that I saw because I had nothing for him to sign. Um, so I had picked that up and my, my buddy and his wife, you know, go up, they shake his hand, they take a great picture with him in the middle. Um, you know, they talk a little bit, he signed something. Um, and then my girlfriend went up, took a picture. So then I handed her my camera and she's, and Bruce, you know, walked up to Bruce. I said, Hey man, it was a great show. Great to meet you. You know, your music means all, all the world to me. You know, can you sign this? And he signs it. So I, she took a picture of him signing the newspaper um with me standing next to him and then he puts his arm around me we go to take a picture and the camera's not working oh no and she's, and she's and you can see her she's clicking it and clicking it and nothing is happening and this it felt like i was there you know for a half an hour it was all about 30 seconds but he says to me in my ear he goes i could feel my life passing me by <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, I'm so sorry, right? So never got that picture. And I was oh. just like, oh, this oh, is, no. I have the picture of us, you know, where he's signing something. We're both looking at it. So that that was great. And then um, on the Rising Tour, I went up to, to Canada and saw shows in Vancouver and Calgary and Edmonton. And we were outside the hotel in Edmonton, and he was coming out. I had the same camera. you think I would learn, but I didn't. And... Uh, 
I was by myself and there were a couple of people out there and I handed my camera to a younger uh, fellow and he thought it was a digital camera. So instead of putting it up to his face to take the picture, he held it out like this. And so as he's doing that and Bruce has got his arm around me and I'm like, no, 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 no. And that's when he snapped the picture. So I look like a total idiot, like this face, like this face of like, no, don't do that. You know? And, uh, and Bruce, he's got his arm around me like, who is this idiot? Like, what's going on? So I was like, well, that's all. That's all for two. It's never going to happen. And then luckily, when he did the book signing tour, uh, I think that was in 2016, my sister, who's a huge fan as well, she was lucky enough to score tickets uh, to his book signing in Portland. Um, so we went up that day, uh, you know, waited in line for a long time and, the, you know, caught up to meet him. And the funny thing is they were like, you can only you can take one picture with him. And I had a, my phone and the young lady that had my phone, God bless her. From when I started walking up to the, to where he was, to the whole exchange, she was just taking pictures, you know, and when she handed me my phone, I was like, Oh my God, there's like 20 pictures here. Um, and I walked up and, you know, I said, Hey, Bruce, you know, Johnny G, not great to meet you. I got, is it right if I give you a hug? And so we hugged and I, I said to him again, I said, you know, your music has meant the world to me. I've, I've traveled all over the world. I've seen you over 200 times. And he's, he's just going, yeah, man, I appreciate that. <laughs> like, what's he going to say? Like he's, yeah. he's heard it a, he's heard it a million times, you know? Um, but he had a big smile on his face and, you know, we took, we took pictures. So I guess the third time was the charm because the first two were just like, what is going on? So I'm laughing for great stories, but I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm a huge, um, the local sports station here in Dallas is the ticket, yep. right? And one of the things they'll do is uh, when they'll talk about someone rushing for X amount of yards and they'll go look out that window. You can yep. see a ton of people that you know, I just picture Bruce going, look out that window. You know how many people have seen 200 shows? It's like, oh, I'd be crushed. Right? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, again, what is he going to say? He's like, hey, yeah. man, I appreciate it. He goes, thank you. It's great to meet you. You yeah. know, and, and again, I'm one of a thousand people he's meeting that day, you know. Um, but again, couldn't be more gracious. And, oh, that's, you know, that's a, a great story. Face and, 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 yeah. and, really appreciates that people, you know, have spent their lives following his music. You know, I often think of, speaking of, uh, Norm Hitzkiss is, you know, Texas Hall of Fame radio announcer, mm-hmm. has been doing talk radio here in Dallas as long as I can remember. I moved to Dallas in 86, and he is he was doing morning drive sports talk, and um and he tells the story that if you talk to Nolan Ryan about his no hitters, his eyes will glaze over <laughs> and he will be polite. Yep. But, you know, but you ask him about the home runs he's hit. There you go. His eyes will sparkle and yep. he will tell stories. Right. Yep. And I always think of that when like when I had Maureen Van Zant joining me, I was lucky enough to have her right. on the show nice. and I had Vinny on nice. and I thought of like, okay, what, what are the questions they're tired of hearing? <laughs> right. Like what, what do I need to ask them so that they will maybe enjoy 
the conversation more than just and and you're right most people are very polite most people will be yeah. like yes uh you know they're they're going to answer the question like sure let's you know whatever the celebrity or whatever let's talk about that yeah. you know so yeah i always think of that so but it's what you want to tell them I, you know again you know how else do you and i'm sure in his mind he appreciates hearing someone saying your music has been the soundtrack to my life thank you that's good to hear doesn't matter because it's sincere for them absolutely and and it's and it's funny it's like again working in sports i've had a chance to meet a lot a lot of famous people and you know when we left that book signing my sister was with me she obviously was ecstatic and, and excited and we went out to lunch you know after that and i was shaking in the restaurant it was just like it was amazing, you know, and, and, and again, I've been in locker rooms all, you know, for different sports and in front of, you know, well-known athletes and stuff. And that never happened, never happened. So it's just like, you know, it was just an amazing experience. And it just, again, I, like I said, it's, it's, it's nice to see that these folks are nice. Yeah, that um, is good. You know, and they're genuine. And, and I think that's what comes across when they're on the stage, you know, and, and yes. you're looking up at them and they're genuinely, you know, listen, they play Born to Run a million times, but they still seem like they're having a good time when they're playing Born to Run, you know, and they still seem like they enjoy what they're doing. And yes, you're from, if you're on the road for over a year and a half, yes, it gets old. Yes, it gets tiring for them. But you'd never know that when you're watching show. When the second river tour um that was right after david bowie had died glenn fry died uh prince died during that tour and it it to me that looked like a group of musicians that go the road in front of us is shorter than the road behind us Yep. And we do not know how many more times we will have this chance Correct. to play together. So we are going to enjoy every moment. Correct. It's kind of like what Joe DiMaggio said, the old Yankee. He was like, you know, there might, why do you always play so hard? And why do you always give 100%? And he's like, there could be somebody that shows up to a game that's never seen me play before. And I think, you know, obviously when Bruce was younger, he had nothing else but music. So he'd play for three and a half, four hours because the rest of his life was screwed up. Um, he was trying to figure it out, but now it's just the joy of being with these people, you know, and I think, you know, and I think he realized when they weren't together for a long time, that was both good and bad for everybody. Yes. You know, everybody grew up and everybody matured and everybody realized how special what they had and what they have is, um, and they appreciate it more. And, and obviously as you get older, you appreciate things a lot more. Um, and, and from the reunion tour on, and that's why I've been traveling so much. It's just like, you never know when is the last time, God yes. forbid, that this is going to happen, you know? And I, I, I was, I was at the show, you know, in Tampa when, after Danny died, which was a hugely, hugely emotional show for everybody. Um, and it's just, you know, life is short. You never know. So yeah, exactly. enjoy it and take and take advantage of it when you can. So that's like saying God willing, you know, in 2022, hopefully, you know, they'll be out on the road again and get to experience that because they genuinely enjoy playing with each other. I, I think so, John. Uh, so let's say 
we all are hoping for a tour in 2022. After over 200 shows, are there any songs you're chasing? <laughs> it's funny you say that. Uh, before the River Tour started, the second River Tour, and by the way, I was in Dallas for that show where they had like millions of people on the stage. Like all, everybody got up on the stage at the end of the show. It was insane. Um, I hadn't heard the price you pay and I've been chasing that song forever. Um, again, like I said, in the past, when I was in college, the river had just come out and my, uh, I was in a, I was in a triple when I was a freshman and one of my roommates was a Bruce fan. Um, and he'd go to bed every night with either side three or side four of the river playing. Um, so went to bed a lot of nights listening to fade away and stolen car and price you pay. So price you pay was a song that, uh, I had never heard up until the first night in Pittsburgh on the, on the second river tour. Um, so that was tremendous. Um, the one, the, <laughs> on the river tour, uh, in Philadelphia in September of that year, uh, he went crazy at the end of that tour where he was playing. It was, it was, it was the river tour where he was playing all the old songs. Um, when he came back to the United States, so he had played like six or seven shows in a row where he did Incident into Rosalita. Um, and so he did that the first night in Philly and I wasn't at that show. I was at the second night, which it was like a hundred degrees and I was sick that night. And I was just standing there and I was like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm finally going to hear these two songs back to back. And it was so hot and it was on the set list that he went from Kitty's back, which is tremendous um and that's where incident was supposed to be and then rosie and he went right into rosie because again it was really really hot yeah and i'm standing there and i knew like that that moment had passed and i think and that was the only time i was ever like pissed off and i was like i can't believe he just did it like six or seven straight shows and he didn't play it and i was like this is probably the only chance i'm ever going to get to hear those two masterpieces back to back you know and that segue so that's that's what i'm chasing i don't know if that's ever going to happen but i didn't think a lot of things were ever going to happen yeah. with these songs i never thought i'd hear the wish I yeah i thought you know i would hear a lot of things that i've heard and been lucky enough to hear so that that was it i would say county fair would be the other one which is a you know just a simple i'd love to hear that one too I, yeah, yeah i would love love to hear that song um but uh, those are those are really the only ones that I think I'm chasing it at this point. There's so many songs that I have a friend there like, how many times can you like hear Promised Land or how many times can you hear? I'm like, as many times as he wants to play. Exactly. Them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I've told the story multiple times, but I I was I was mad after the fact and more disappointed than mad. Um, I was in um, I was in Houston for the high hopes tour and talk about that the experiences because that was when uh, there was a sign request for one step up and he and the band played it even though they never rehearsed but they came out and they played seeds to begin with and uh and the story you hear afterwards is they were going to start with this is your sword which is a song that i really love from high hopes and um, and supposedly Morello looked at him and go, hey, we're in Houston. And and Bruce goes, yeah, OK. So they scratch out this year's sword. They play seeds. Uh, and 
what was I the last time he was in Houston, he had opened with seeds. So I was like, okay, I've already checked that one off. And now, you know, so I'm getting another one that, uh, and so after the fact, I was more disappointed than mad. But yeah, you go, sometimes the set list gets changed and you get a joy. And other times right. you go, oh, well, oh, well, right. that's what yeah. happens. But I mean, there, there was there was a time where I, I never, ever thought I was going to hear real world on the piano. Yeah. And uh, I was lucky enough to be in Asbury Park for one of the rehearsal shows for Devils and Dust. Yeah. Um, and he played real. And it just, there was just this hush in the crowd, like, oh, my God, you know, he's yeah. playing this. And it was just, I could care less when he played the rest of the night. It was just yeah, like. exactly. Okay. It, was like, it was like, oh, my. And the same thing happened in Cleveland on that tour. You know, we drove to Cleveland from New York and. He played stolen car for the first time in I don't know how long, but it was on the piano. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, oh my God. So you never you never, and that's that's the joy. You know, you never yeah. know. You could you could get lucky or you could, you know, but again, it's the whole experience. And sometimes the set list isn't as important as everybody makes it out to be. Right. Um, so you know, it's 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 the experience and it's and it's the camaraderie and it's the people that you meet along the way. Um, Absolutely. You know, and sharing that experience, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's new people, whether it's people you, I've been in arenas where I don't know anybody, you know, and it gets gets to a point where then you start seeing the same folks over and over and, you know, and you make lifelong friends. So it's, it's, and it's all based on this music, which is nuts if you think about it. Absolutely. God bless. (laughs) Absolutely. That is so good. So well said. John, I've kept you over an hour. I, 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 I so appreciate all your time. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, I, and I feel like we could talk another hour because we <laughs> haven't even gotten into, you know, you've mentioned a couple of times, you know, making friends and, and, and getting people. And I'm sure I could spend another hour just telling stories about people you've met and conversations you've had. Absolutely. And if you're willing, maybe we can do that. Um, you know, maybe in 2022, we'll, we'll, when we, we hear rumors of a tour, maybe I can have you back on and we'll talk some stories and we'll, and we'll, we'll share about where we want to go and what shows are going to make too. Absolutely. Uh, but I got to ask you the Mary question before we go. So if you're a Johnny G fan and you're listening to this and you don't normally listen to Set Lessing Bruce, First off, thank you. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation. Absolutely. Um, I end every show, every episode with uh, the Mary question. Jay Armstrong, who is an honors English teacher, recently retired, who's going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. He's got a new book to promote, uh, would spend his, he would have his honors English class their senior year, spend two days taking thunder road and breaking apart as a poem they would look at the imagery they talk about the lyrics they would talk about comparing to robert frost the road not taken and then at the end of the two days jay would ask his class does mary get in the car so johnny that's your question does mary get in the car at the end of thunder road hell yeah uh she not only gets in the car we all get in the car um and thunder road is the greatest song he ever wrote um, in my opinion, like people are always like, what's your favorite song? And I, I go back and forth between Born to Run and Thunder Road and Backstreets, but Thunder Road, the lyrics to Thunder Road, um, 
you know, these two lanes will take you anywhere has basically been the story of my life. Like I've traveled and lived in different places across the country because there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of hope in that song. As he's always said, it's an invitation. Um, and it is an invitation to, you know, jump in the car and go for the ride. So if Mary didn't get in the car, she's nuts. <laughs> um, but I think she got in the car. We've been in the car for 40 something years. Um, and thank God the car's still running. Well said, my friend. Well said. If someone wants to reach you, are you on social media? Um, I am on Twitter, but uh, I follow folks. I don't really post. Okay. Um, so uh, I try to keep that a little bit more private. Okay. All right. Uh, so if any final words you want to share. I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity uh, to share some of these stories um, in, and appreciate the, the, you know, your time and, and what you're doing. Um, I think, you know, shedding light on, on the Bruce community is always a great thing. It is, it is a great community across the world. Um, and like I said, you could walk into any arena in any city and, and strike up a conversation with folks and you never know, they could be friends for the rest of your life which is always a great thing. And it's always a good thing to share through stories. Um, and I would love to come back on if you'd have me, you know, as you said, as we 2022, you know, hopefully we'll see each other out on the road somewhere um, and look forward to it. Sounds good. Let's uh, let's hope for a 49ers uh, Cowboys NFC championship game. And uh, <laughs> though I, I know the 49ers are struggling a little bit this it's year. Struggling, yep. Yeah. But uh, boy, that was, some of the greatest uh, that I, I know you can talk all you want about the, the giants and the Washington football team and the Eagles, but in a lot of ways, boy, that 49ers cowboy was something pretty special there in the eighties and even nineties. Absolutely. That's, that's when the 49ers arrived when they could finally get past the Cowboys Cowboys owned them for years, you know, and then, then we had the catch, you know, with Dwight Clark, rest in peace. Yes. Um, you know, and that, that turned the, ta- the, t- the tables for both organizations there for a little bit. And the 49ers went on their run. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a, a huge rivalry. And it's, it's unfortunate that they don't play each other as much as they used to. Yeah. Cause it, it was always an interesting game. And uh, my, my son will, um, this is, we were at a um, Irish bar in new Orleans and this was back when, uh, you know, he was underage and, but this was one of the places would allow kids to go in and, and, uh, Daniel Flaherty was the musician. He owned the bar and he, someone asked for Danny boy and he went on a mining minor, you know, kind of rant about how that's not a true Irish song that it was, you know, English lyrics put on there. And it's, you know, it's not a true Irish ballad and that a lot of people try to change. And, so my son whispers and he goes, yeah, and a lot of people try to change it that Joe Montana wasn't just throwing the ball away. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And, uh, and I just started laughing, uh, you know, just this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was born in 89. So he is quick to tell you he is a Landry baby. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Johnny, thank you so much. This was so great. I appreciate it. Yes, I will reach out to you and we will plan something in 2022 and, and have you back on again. For now, please stay safe. Please take care thank of you. yourself. Thank Listeners, you. you go get vaccinated. Stay safe. Uh, you know, let's still do all the right things we need to do because we need to get the band back on the road and see live music. So Absolutely. take care, be good, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.